0: Um, before I say anything about who I am and a little bit more of my background, as you were singing the song, the last song you were singing, um, it reminded me of something the Lord revealed to me and I shared with our church about loving the Lord. And, you know, we, we, see, we love sermons about God loves us and how much the Father loves us, but there are a lot of scriptures about us loving Him. And we tell our people and our young people at our church that you're going to be pressured at times to do things you're not, your conscience is going to be bothered about. You're going to be tempted to not do some good things that you maybe don't feel like you want to do. And we tell our people, especially our young people, say, when you're pressured to watch that movie, you know it's going to bother your conscience. You know that movie, you have to leave Jesus outside while you watch it and then say, Lord, could you step out for a minute? We tell our young people, listen you need to have an answer for these temptations. You need to have an answer for these people to let them know, you know a little bit about why you're saying no to what everybody else says yes to. And so we said, now listen, you know, they'll say, you wanna do this thing? You wanna, you, wanna, you wanna watch this? You wanna do that? And you know as a Christian, it's not pleasing to the Lord. You, know, you, you don't have to tell, you know, it's, it's not something that just goody-goody Christians don't do. We love the Lord. That's why we do and don't do certain things. It's a love issue. It's not a religious issue. It's not a, you know, well, I'm a, a goody-goody Christians don't do that. No, we love the Lord. And they may understand that. It may blow them away. I don't know. It may want them to be like you. Because there's nothing stronger than love. And if, if your answer is, I love the Lord... You're in, you're in the right frame of thinking and the right frame of mind, and there's nothing more powerful than that. You know, love has a lot more to do with what people are doing today than I think than we realize. Even veering off, the Bible says, Paul's companion, the Bible says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Backsliding is a love issue. You love something more than the Lord, and you're going a direction that is a violation of love toward the Lord, but Coming back is a love issue. Now you love him more than the things that pulled you away. I mean, you grow in love, you're going to do okay. Because love is the greatest motive for life and the greatest motive for living that there is. And so, anyway, so let me tell you who I am. I'm John Capetto, John Gerald Capetto. <laughs> and my, um, my granddaughter, the youngest grandchild to me, is named Olivia Ray Sandoval. And I every time I see her, I call her Olivia Gerald Sandoval. <laughs> and they didn't like that real well, so I stopped. I stopped. Um, but I'm I'm John Capetto. I have a beautiful, wonderful wife who is at home right now because she didn't want to go to jail. You say, what does coming to Boise have to do with going to jail? Well, she skipped two jury duties, and if she would have skipped this third one, that would have been a no-no. And so as much as, she wanted, as much as she wanted to be here tonight with you all and with Pastors Mark and Amy, she had to stay home and do jury duty, so that's where she's at. But she loves you guys so much, and she loves this church, and we've been here a few times, and it's been tremendous, and it's been great. And so she's at home, and she, she would love to be here. I have two kids. Isaac and Rachel, and I have five grandkids, so I'm a papa, I'm a papa, and I like it. And one of my grandkids is 22 years old, so I could be a grand, great grandpapa pretty soon. And um, you say, well, Pastor, you look so young. Well, I'm, I'm actually 85. <laughs> Plastic surgery. no. <laughs> <laughs> actually, people do tell... I'm 63, so I, I, I lied to you. Let's don't start off with lying, okay? Let's don't do that. I'm actually 63 years old, and a lot of people do come up this, though, and they say, you look too young to be a grandpa. I say, well, I'm not a grandpa. I'm a papa. So, I, I don't know. Maybe there's not a difference. But anyway, um, we tell them, well, it's what going to church all the time does for you. And I'm not kidding. They giggle. My wife giggles, but I'm not kidding. The Bible talks about when you're planted in the house of the Lord... In your old age, you'll still be fat and flourishing. I'm working on the fat part. <laughs> but it, it's, there's promises. I mean, if you're planted in the house of the Lord, the Bible says you're going to do good out there. They'll flourish in the courts of their God. One translation says you'll be healthy and green. And uh, there's, we taught a whole series on why church. You know, we tell people what to do. Sometimes I think we tell them why you should do those things. Read your Bible. Okay, why? Because it's medicine to all your flesh. The truth will make you free. You know, sometimes we got to tell people why. You need to go to church, why? Because Jesus told you to. <laughs> but let's go back, because you love the one who told you to. One translation says, don't neglect church meetings that some are neglecting, especially as you see the day approaching. And um, sometimes it's good to tell people why to do things um, I was reading a scripture in Luke chapter 2, and I'll get back to telling you a little bit more about who I am in just a second. But in Luke chapter 2, I believe it was, it said Jesus was 12 years old, and he was staying behind in church while his family left town. And his mother and father were really worried about him, so they turned around with the whole caravan and came back seeking him for quite a while. I mean, I think it was a day or two. And they found him in the temple, listening to the doctors and teachers, hearing asking questions, answering questions. And his parents found him, and Mary said, Son, did you not know we were sorrowful? We were looking for you. We couldn't find you. We're, we're sad. What's going on here? And Jesus, at 12-year-old, said, Did you not know I must be about my father's business? And the Bible says Mary and Joseph did not understand that saying. And I thought... That's a lot of people today. They do not understand that church is the Father's business. They didn't understand, and a lot of people today don't understand. It's the Father's business. We're doing something the Father wants us to do tonight, and it's powerful. And if you're you're here because you want to be here, it works a lot better for you. So um, I was born in Waukegan, Illinois. We moved to Southern California when I was one year old. My dad died when I was about seven years old of cirrhosis of the liver, throwing up blood. And my mom, by the unconscious leading of the Holy Spirit, decided to move to Grand Junction, Colorado. So we got on a plane and came to Grand Junction, Colorado. I, I caught it like a pin in the map deal. You know, it's like, why Grand Junction? We don't know anybody here. We have no relatives here, there. And we just did. It was, looking back, we were led by the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> and we didn't know it. Which is okay with me as long as we're led by the Spirit. And so we, I, I've been in Grand Junction for like 55 years. And my mom is in heaven now. I, I was telling the class last night, the Bible college class, that she got to the point in her life, she said, I'm done. She was like 80, 80, 88, almost 89 years old. And she just said, I'm done, kids. I'm going to go home and be with the Lord. I'm done. I've I prayed all the prayers I need to pray. I have a peace with God that I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And I'm going to go home. And so she did. And, And um, we said goodbye, and uh, she was she was in her bed. Um, She was actually at Hope West, which is a hospice center, because it was more comfortable for her there for about a week, I think, or two. And one day she was doing this, and and we were saying, "Mom, what are you doing?" She goes, "I'm signing the lease on my mansion." (laughs) I mean, Mom, you're on the other side. You you might as well just step on over and, and go ahead and go and. And you say, you say that about your mom? Well, oh, yeah. I mean, she did her job. She did her, th- she finished her course. And yes, there was tears. Yes, there was some sadness, but not at all like the world has no hope. I mean, Jesus told his disciples after he told them about his upcoming decease. He said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised. from. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave you guys and I, I'm, I'm going to die. They're going to they're crucify me. And they said they were sad. They are like, no, no. And Jesus said, you should rejoice. Because I said, I'm going to the Father. We should rejoice when believers believe, as well as, you know, feel what you got to feel. I mean, that's fine, of course. But my mom's in heaven now, and and my dad died when I was like seven years old. So um, now I have a father-in-law who actually works at the church, too. All all our kids and grandkids, they're they're involved in the church. We're so thankful for that. And... um, we're just, they're gonna go forward with the church. My daughter Rachel and Dominic, her, her husband, they're gonna move forward with the church and they're doing a great job. They're called, they're anointed. It is not their career, it's not a job to them. They are called, they would, it's, it's on a much higher level than just, oh, this would be cool, I, I can speak, and no, they're called, they're called. And so, that's a little bit about me and I pastored like uh, Pastor Mark said for 36 years, Faith Heights Church, same church, and uh, that's just a miracle. That is a miracle, and we praise God almost every day for the fact that we're still here, we're still happy. I've had people come up to me, and I'm sure you guys have too, and any ministers probably have. People come up to me at times, and they'll go, you're a pastor? Oh, ooh, man, that's a hard job. I'm having the time of my life. I love it. I guess that's, you can tell if you're called. You, 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 You know when you get burned out? is when you're doing something without grace. If there's no grace for it, if there's no Lord told me to do it, you're kind of on your own. And uh, Because if you're serving the Lord, if, if we're burned out, we're missing it somewhere. And so I've been happy and thrilled to do it. It was a little difficult, I have to say. It was difficult after 36 years to go this direction, but then... Hearing some things Brother Hagin said when he knew when the teaching gift dropped into him, he knew that when he left the pastorate after 12 years, he was going into another phase of ministry. And I started getting more and more peace because you, you love your people. You, you love what you're doing. And, and to say, I'm done. But the Lord said, well, you're not done. You're just going into another phase. Stay founding pastor. Keep offices at the church. And uh, pray for your kids. So I'm, I'm, my heart's still there. But it was a little bit of a hard transition to move into a full-time teaching ministry, but I'm glad I did because it's what I believe my father wants me to do. So um, if you would please pray a prayer with me as we move into this tonight, because this prayer that we're going to pray has a lot to do with um, what we're going to talk about just for a few minutes here. So Heavenly Father, I'm asking that you, the God of hope, would fill everyone that hears this Message live tonight or an archive later. I'm asking, Father, fill us with all joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. So if you could, turn to Joel chapter 1. I want to show you a verse here in the book of Joel. 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 <laughs> hey, if it's Noel, maybe it's Joel. So in Joel chapter 1, I want you to look at verse 12. The prophet is speaking out about some things that were happening in the land at that time, to people's businesses and livelihood. In verse 12, it says, The vine is dried up. Oh, cool, they have it up there on the screen. Thanks, guys. The vine is dried up, which is not good. The fig tree languisheth. Not good. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered then he tells us why. Because something else withered in the invisible realm. Because joy withered from the sons of men. Interesting to think how inside things affect outside things. I I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, Lord, is there more to joy then maybe we as a church had been thinking. And he said, there's a lot more. There's a lot more to everything that you think you know in the Scriptures that you don't know now. And I got into thinking, okay, if, if everything started withering because joy withered, in other words, something happened in the invisible realm before it showed up in the visible realm. Joy is actually not supposed to be just a reaction to good things happening. Joy makes good things happen. Because joy is a sign that you're in faith and all things are possible to him that believes. How many glad it didn't say all things are possible to the perfect? (laughs) To those that have all their ducks in a row. All things are possible to the good looking. All things are possible to the educated. Aren't you glad the Lord said all things are possible to him that believes? That means healing from cancer must be possible or Jesus lied. Well, he didn't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And a lot of times people, we say, why didn't certain things happen after somebody prayed? We don't know all the answers to those questions, but we do know healing and blessings and victory belongs to us. And we just need to learn how to be good receivers of what the Lord's already provided. I think the Lord would have to violate free will to get healing any closer to us. than than he's doing right now. He's doing everything. He's looking for every crack, every open door to put into our lives everything we need already. And so I wanted to share that as a a beginning scripture. And I want to show you another one in Proverbs 17 in verse 22. Proverbs 17, 22. How many of you guys realize that men saying there's no hope is not Jesus saying there's no hope? So in Proverbs, and we know this is all the wisdom of God coming through Solomon, so we can say God said, of course, to anything in the Bible. Proverbs 17, verse 22, it says, A merry heart does something. See, we, sometimes people think, well, joy happens to me When something happens out here. This scripture says joy does things out here because of what's going on in here. Joy, it says a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. One translation says a happy heart makes a healthy body. That's just cool, you guys. (laughs) This is something you and I can do and develop in starting tonight. You know, just like love is a fruit you're supposed to grow in, joy is something we're supposed to grow in. We don't just wait for things to happen that tell us when to be joyful. We're working out in the joy gym all the time, being joyful whether we feel like it or not because of what we believe. And I thought it was interesting. He said a merry heart does good like a medicine. If you look at the word like in the King James, it's italicized. It's not in the original manuscript. He's saying a merry heart is a medicine. It's not just like a medicine. That word is is a talisman. A merry heart is a medicine. When do you take medicine? When you're feeling great? No problems? When are you supposed to be joyful? When you're feeling great? No problems? Sure. But how about mostly when you're not feeling great and you do have problems that need some supernatural help? What do you do? Well, you do it, you do it, David said, be glad. You know, be glad is stronger than feel glad. You can be glad while you feel sad. Out of obedience to the Lord, you can be be glad because He told you to be glad. And not very long from that, if you stay there, you will feel glad. You might want to turn to your neighbor and say, be glad. Be glad, just like be strong. Be courageous. John Wayne said, courage, and I'm sorry for quoting John Wayne. <laughs> you probably heard this. anyway. John Wayne said, courage is feeling scared to death, but saddling up anyway. You know, Sometimes you just got to be glad when you don't feel glad. Why? Just to show your feelings who's boss. Just to show the devil you're not going to respond to his lies and no hope scenarios anymore. Sometimes you just need to go, ha, 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 ha. Well, pastor, you're not being real. I'm being real, trusting in God that everything is going to be a-okay. And if I have to force a laugh out to get into faith, I'm going to do it. So, a merry heart does something. So joy is a producer, not just a responder. And if you do a study through the Scriptures, you'll find about seven or eight times the Lord tells us to be joyful and to laugh, and it's all when you don't feel like it. (laughs) You want to see another one real quick? Look at Habakkuk. How many have a child named Habakkuk? (laughs) Why? It's a great name. (laughs) So Habakkuk chapter 3, in verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines, and labor of the olive oil shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. In other words, they are throwing a drag. It is bad for business right now. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. There shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I will get on Facebook and tell everybody my problems. <laughs> Oh, did I misread that? I'm sorry, did I? <laughs> How many know you, you, you can't do what you feel like doing at times like this? You'll be just like an unbeliever and a worldly person who, who doesn't know what we know. You have to rise up and say, I feel like complaining and getting sympathy, but I'm not going to. <laughs> right? It says, what do you do? Yet yeah, will I rejoice. See, it's a choice. It's not, it's not a feeling. I will. Rejoice! How do you do that? By choice, by faith. You just say, Lord, I'm going to be glad because you love me. You're greater than my mistakes. You're greater than the junk coming against me. I have faith in love because God is love and love won't let me down. I was reading uh, Romans chapter 8. I think it's verse 37 where it says we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. We are more than conquerors. Through him that loves us. And I got this phrase from the Lord. To think you might not make it through is to doubt his love for you. Because see, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. To think, and the devil's constantly trying to get us to doubt the Lord's love. Hmm? See, when you know God is powerful, you believe he can heal you. When you know God is love, you believe he will heal you. When, you. when you believe he's powerful, you're like, God can heal me of anything. But when you believe he loves you, you go from he can to he will. He will. Say, but yeah, what, what, if, what, what, what if I have affliction in my life because of my own mistakes? He forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Don't let your past sins keep you from receiving the love of God, because that's what mercy is all about. And he delights in mercy. Mercy is amazing. It reaches to the lowest hell. Man, I've had to learn a lot of these things through personal experience because I've made a couple mistakes in my life. But I got back up. Um. I would like you to do this, if you would please turn in your Bible to um oh, Job fourteen. Let's read a scripture or two out of the book of Job. Um I think a a church like this, I'm just I I'm, I'm, I believe I'm right about this, that you hear amazing, ongoing teaching on faith. Why? Well, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't get saved without faith. Daughter, your faith made you whole. You can get healed by faith, right? The list goes on. And so, there, and we do, too, at Faith Heights Church, obviously. <laughs> we talk a lot about faith. But there's, some, there's a component of faith that we, on our Wednesday nights, have been talking about for the last four, five to six weeks, and I want to talk about a little bit of that tonight. It's connected with joy, um, but it's, it's the word hope. And I guess we could, we could say expectation. Expectation. And a while back, well, actually, when we first started the church in 1987. <clears throat> how many of you were not even born in 1987? All right. Okay. So back in 1987... <laughs> In 1987, one of the first things I heard the Lord say to me about our church in my spirit, you know, when you're praying and you hear things on the inside, one of the first things I heard him say was, if my people would just expect me to do more, I would. If my people would just simply expect me to do more, I would. Do you realize that? Well, I'll get to that later. Let's look at Job 14. Mm -hmm -hmm. Job 14. How many have stayed away from the Book of Job because you thought it was Job? (laughs) Hey, I'll 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 be honest with you because I was going to lie. when I got, just before I got saved, I thought work was sin. I was a little messed up. <laughs> Did drugs and all that. And, but I didn't like to work. I guess I was a bum. There's hope for bums. <laughs> cool. But then I got saved. And I read the scripture. He that provides not for his own... <laughs> especially those of his own household, is worse than an infidel and has denied the faith. So I loved work from that moment on because <laughs> I love the Lord. He saved my life out of darkness and I, anything I needed to change, I was willing to change. But in Job 14, verse 7. For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again and that the tender branch thereof will not cease Though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. Isn't that cool? You could be cut down in life. I'm telling you, if, a, if there's hope for a tree, there's hope for me. Now, I would have said you, but that wouldn't have rhymed. So. <laughs> if there's hope for a tree, there's hope for all of us. If a tree's cut down, over. Over. Done. Nothing. Go to the next tree. Not if there's water around. There, there's something about if you have any breath in you at all, there's hope. Did you know if a doctor tells you you're going to die with a disease, that doesn't mean you're going to die with a disease? There is hope. On fire. Confident expectation that God loves us and that he didn't lie. And I'm coming out of this thing. Because I'm not done yet. And I'm not leaving this way either. Sometimes you just have to be bold about it. But there's a scripture in the Bible that says not only did a man get a bad doctor's report, he got a bad prophet's report. The prophet Isaiah came into Hezekiah and said, "Okay, all right, you need to set your house in order because you're going to die. So now he's got a doctor telling him he's going to die, and he has the most spiritual man of God, prophet, around saying, you're going to die. And newsflash, he didn't die like the prophet said he was going to die. Because the sick man, Hezekiah, changed present circumstances, got his heart right before God, cried, prayed. God saw his tears, saw his heart, saw his faith, and told the prophet before he got out of the courtyard, go back and tell Hezekiah, I'm going to give him 15 years more. I mean, oh, that's a blessing. Now you got 15 more years to get ready to die. That's, that's awesome. And maybe, he, maybe he wasn't ready. Maybe it was a traumatic experience. I don't know. But he had 15 more years at least, and maybe more if you read the Scriptures. And so present, present circumstances, no matter what it's like right now, there's hope. So turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. The, the, what we titled this message back at home is how things turn around. Now, Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth E. Hagan, he has a book entitled Turning Hopeless Situations Around. Great book. It's not very large at all. It's very small. It's almost like a mini book. And it's so good. I've given out many of those. I think I ordered 100 or more at one time. Just gave them out. And I still got some to give out at home now. Turning hopeless situations around, it's so powerful because it takes you out of this natural limitation. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't. And it brings you into the realm of reality. That if God is for you, who can be against you? (laughs) Hopeless situations turn around all the time when people turn to the Lord because God's greater than all. In Philippians chapter 1, this is one of the scriptures that we've been really dissecting and digging into and if, you're, if you need anything in your life turned around right now, this is really going to help you. I believe the Lord's going to give you some good things. I, I, I pray tonight. So in verse nineteen, Paul, the apostle Paul said, "I know that this shall turn, or we can say, turn around, to my salvation." That word means deliverance, healing, protection. He says, "I know." He, he was going through something, and you can read some of it in, in the context, of previous verses. He said, I know this is going to turn around to my salvation through your prayer. Thanks, guys, for praying for me and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that's present everywhere. But nothing's going to happen just because you prayed. And nothing's going to happen just because the power of God's available. If I don't do something myself, your great prayers aren't going to work for me. He said... What activates your prayers for me, what activates the power that's present everywhere to help me, it's according to something I do, according to my earnest expectation and hope. All this stuff's going to turn around. Your prayers are going to be ignited on my behalf. The power of God's going to manifest on on my behalf because I'm not just wanting you to pray for me. Now that you have, I am expecting that prayer to come to pass. Praying alone is not expecting. Praying another prayer is not expecting. Waiting is not expecting. Let's locate this part of our life and turn up the knob. Do some expectation exercises. Develop in this thing that turns things around. So that maybe victories happen quicker. Expectation. It's it's interesting because my wife has had two kids and... She got into the realm of expecting after she was pregnant. Expectation needs to come on the scene after we latch onto a scripture in faith. You believe you got something. The seed of God word comes on the inside of you. A promise of healing, a promise of deliverance from depression, a promise of deliverance from fear, a promise of restored marriage relationship. You receive that in prayer and nothing out here changes at all, but you believe you got it. Now, if you really believe you got something, you're expecting to see something. You're not expecting to get, you already got, but you're expecting to see in other words, I, I, I use this illustration. It, it, I'm not expecting anything to show up from Amazon via UPS or FedEx that I have not already ordered or paid for. Wouldn't that be weird? I'm expecting a new couch. Oh, really? Did you buy one? No. Did you order one? No. I'm just expecting it. You, you need to go to life... Bible college and learn some things. (laughs) No, but, but if I did order something and I did pay for something, now I'm in the expectation mode. I'm actually planning on selling the old. I'm actually making room for what I'm actually excited about a delivery. You see what I'm saying? And I think we need to be a little more concerned about our prayers not being answered and kind of go to God once in a while and say, what's up? And he'll tell you what's up. He'll help you. He loves you. He'll tell you what's up. But get ready. Get ready for some correction because the reproofs of correction are the way of life. So Paul said, I know this is going to turn to my deliverance through your prayer. Thank you for your prayers. That's a part of it. And the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that power that's present everywhere. But it's all going to turn around according to my earnest expectation and hope. So let me tell you what those words mean in the original language. Hope. The word hope in this verse defined means to anticipate, usually with pleasure, expectation, confidence, aware of what will happen and take action in order to be prepared. Act as a forerunner. Hope means a precursor. To take place before an event or process expected or scheduled for a later time. A substance from which another is formed to look for. And in the Latin, it means acting in advance. So the word hope is not like most people use it today. So, so are, you, are you getting over that sickness? Well, I sure hope so. You're not hoping, you're wishing. Yeah. Say the right word. Right. Or I, I desire to get better. Bible hope is confident expectation that something's going to show up that you've already latched onto that God said belongs to you, Amen. and it's and it's and it's like I don't know if we call it the last step to a manifestation occurring. You know, when when you think of a woman who's pregnant and expecting, you know that woman can only get so big before the baby has to come out. I mean, even if it's a C-section, I mean, it, it's. You can get so big an expectation and praise that a promise has to show up or God would break his covenant. Can you can you picture God not manifesting what a one of his dear children is confidently and continually expecting to manifest that he said was going to show up? There comes a time where it just has to happen. But what I've noticed, i noticed this in my life and others, and I've been a pastor, like like your pastor said, for 36 years. I've noticed people after prayer a lot of times, they seem to get a little weaker in praise and a little weaker in expectation for that thing they prayed for. Until maybe after four or five weeks, they kind of forgot about praying that prayer and they've gone back into thinking that, well, this is just the way it is. Maybe I'll pray another prayer later. And as opposed to, praise the Lord, I believe I got it. Thank you, Jesus. I expect good things today. And The next day, praise God. I believe I got it. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. And I'm not just, not just emphasizing the volume thing here. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I mean, you're more, you get bigger and bigger. If we don't get bigger and bigger in our praise for something we believe we receive, we're probably headed toward a miscarriage. <clears throat> Of a promise that's supposed to show up. The, the, the baby's supposed to be born. But ex- when you're expecting, you know, it's, it's not automatic. It's like you kind of have to just open your mouth and say, "Woo, I'm expecting good improvement today. Come on. And you have to be honest and real. I mean, if, if you're not at the level where you can believe for a full blown miracle, believe for a piece of it. Believe for another piece tomorrow. Believe for another little chunk a week from now. Because a lot of little improvements equals total freedom. And sometimes, for some people, it's a little more feasible to believe for certain, certain things over time. Let's say, let's say full healing is broken down into 30 days. Well, all you got to believe for is 1 30th today of improvement. Maybe that's more comprehensible. Maybe that's a little easier to comprehend. I just believe I'm going to be a little bit better today. And then when you're a little bit better, oh, throw a party. Glory to God. This works. Well, if it worked for that, it could work for tomorrow. I've seen a lot of people uh, try to receive things at a level they're not at. And then they get disappointed and they say faith doesn't work. And faith does work. So let me, let me read this now. And the, uh, the other word I wanted to give you a definition for in verse uh, 19 is the word earnest expectation. It, it's two words, and it means this. Watching with an outstretched head. Can you see your spirit doing that concerning uh, something you, you prayed for? So we have a dog named London. She's a Yorkshire. She barks with an accent. <laughs> and she barks with an English accent. <laughs> Joseph Morris has a dog named England. So we thought they, sh- they two should get together, but London went to heaven. So, But our little London, our little Yorkie, you talk about expectation. She was the most expectant pooch I have ever seen. We're at the dinner table, and we're eating, and she's like... Can you, can you imagine a little Yorkie's eyes? I mean, it got to the point where I felt like I'd be sinning if I didn't give her something. (laughs) I I felt like I'd have to repent for not giving her something. She always got something, human food. And I'm like, Alexander, Alexander, I didn't introduce you. Could you just stand up for a second? This is Alexander, my grandson. I wanted you to see Alexander, too. (laughs) He's a cool kid. He's a cool kid. His sister, uh, Tasia Jules, she... Kept telling me, Papa, don't feed London human food. That's not good. You shouldn't do that. But she didn't see the pooch's eyes when she... she, (laughs) London was expecting. I mean, this dog knew how to expect. I mean, it just takes your heart. It's like, here, have a little bread. You'd feel like you'd have to repent if you didn't give her something. Well, I, I liken that. I think God can see us like that. I think he can see us. Father, I'm expecting, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm not putting on a show here. I am thrilled. You are good. Thank you, Lord. You died so I could have this. Glory to God. Father, you know how it's been such a burden for so many years. You're lifting that. Thank you, Lord. I believe I got it. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, how long can you really do that without the Father just swinging the moon out of his rotation around the earth to get to you if that's what he has to do? I mean, that's amazing. And that's something we do by choice. We expect by choice. And So earnest expectation means watching with an outstretched head, outstretched head. It signifies strained expectation, eager longing. What are we talking about? How things turn around. This is how things turn around. Anybody want anything to turn around? I yeah. mean, we can do something tonight to speed things up. Um, the stretching forth of the head indicating an expectation of something from a certain place. The abstraction from anything else that might engage the attention and absorption, absorption, in the object expected to the fulfillment is realized. Intense anticipation. Expectation is a decision to be genuinely excited about something invisible showing up. This is one of the things that makes us different than the world. We see what they don't see. Like Moses saw him that's invisible. We see these promises. They're real, they're in a realm, ready to be taken. And it's wonderful. So, Psalm 71. Let's look at this. Psalm 71. Can you say this with me while you're turning? I am expecting huge improvements today. You might want to throw today in there because today is a day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Psalm 71 and verse 14. So the psalmist here says, I will hope or confidently expect continually and will yet praise you more and more. You have to watch out. When you get an expectation, you have to watch out about slipping back into waiting only. Waiting isn't expecting. Expecting. It's what you do in that time period that determines if things are going to turn around or not. Expectation. And here he said, I will praise you yet more and more, not less and less. More and more. I believe we can get to a level in our praise where things have to turn around. Not not that we're telling God what he has to do. I'm I'm saying there's just a time where the father goes, you know what, that's enough. Problems get out of the way. Angels do what you got to do. Power manifests. I mean, this is a covenant we're talking about. And certain things have to happen when covenants are met. And he says, I will praise you yet more and more. And remember, if we're not praising God more and more, we might be having a miscarriage in this area of a promise showing up. There comes a time when praise must turn into sight. I don't know where that level is for all of us, but I'd like let's, help, let's find out. Where is that level where our praise has to turn to sight? Thank you, Lord. All right, waiting for things to get better is not expecting things to get better. Now, look at Hebrews 11, 1. So 1. So uh, one of the, I guess, components of you know, faith coming to full fruition is, is expectation, and this scripture will show it to us. And I was teaching one time on Mark eleven twenty four, where Jesus said, what things soever you desire... When you pray, believe you receive those things right then, and you shall have those things not too long from then. I mean, I can't think of anything that Scripture can't fix. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Can you think of anything that can't fix? And I was thinking about that one time, and I said, Lord, I just really need to focus on believe you receive because we got the prayer part down. Most of us got the desire part down. God's got the you shall have part down. It's that little phrase, believe you receive and you shall have. And the Lord gave it to me like this. He said, son, after you're done praying, just be happy like you got it and you'll get it. That'd be a good rap song. Be happy like God, got and you get it. Be happy like you got it and you'll get it. The Lord prompted me to ask myself this question one time. Are people happy because they're rich or are they rich because they're happy? Well, According to some of the scriptures we just looked at now, it very well could be that second scenario. Happiness leads to things. Happiness can change things. A merry heart does something. Amen? Amen? So maybe we should take a laughing break. <laughs> I like what Mark Hankins says. He says it's one of the hardest things sometimes to get Christians to take their medicine. <laughs> I'm not going to laugh unless I feel like I could take your medicine. No, I'm real. Real what? I'm not going to laugh unless things get better. Take your medicine. It'll help. I'm not going to... My daughter, Rachel, was a little girl. And she got a little cold or a fever one time. And our prayers weren't working as fast as we'd like them to. So we added faith and prayer to the Tylenol. And God, you know, you can do that, right? I mean, pray over the medicine. I, I do. And it works 10 times better than they made it to work. I pray over medicine. I say, you're going to work great. I talk to it. You're going to work great. Well... So, so, we, so we, we do our best to give her the Tylenol, the liquid Tylenol, and she would spit it out. We held her down, she would turn her head and spit it out. And we're getting a little frustrated as parents here. We said, so we threatened her. We, we, we threatened our four-year-old. And we said, Rachel, if you don't do this, we're gonna go down to the hospital, they're gonna take a big needle, and they're gonna put an IV in your vein, And she still kept spitting it out. It was the hardest thing in the world to get Rachel to take Tylenol. She does not like me telling that story. So if you see her, don't tell her I said that. She would just spit it out. She would just throw a fit. And we said, it'll make you feel better. It'll make you feel better. I think a lot of Christians are kind of like that. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to go, ha, 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 ha. Take your medicine, honey. Honey, take your medicine. Come on, you can do it. It's not feel glad, it's be glad. You you, you can be this. You don't have to wait for a feeling. How 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 about we just how about we just read the scripture that says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And say this. Joy is a commandment. commandment. Yeah, I didn't mean you had to say that. I'm just saying like (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, when when you're in the storms of life, man, these guys are sharp. Wow. Woo! Joy is a commandment. You know what you do with a commandment? You go, ha 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 ha, ha 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 ha! Ha 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 ha! Sometimes you just have to do what you don't feel like doing. If you want to see the supernatural, you have to do something beyond the natural. If you want to see the supernatural, natural things produce natural results. Supernatural things produce supernatural results. It's supernatural to laugh. When you don't feel like it. Interesting, the Lord says, count it all joy when you fall. What? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Just do it and you'll see the wonderful results of it. This has worked for me a lot in my life. I remember we had a a gentleman come over to our house years ago and he he was having grand mal seizures really, really bad. I mean, medication and just terrible. His wife was really just wanting it to be fixed and just so hard on her and, and him as well. And he came over to our house one time and we were just hanging out and fellowshipping and, and um, all of a sudden, we were talking about the Grandma Caesars. And I didn't do ha, ha, ha. Something came on me and I just started laughing at Grandma Caesars. And it was so out of place to my mind. <laughs> Keith Moore talks about people coming forward and and them laughing at the stage four cancer. (laughs) And he didn't have any more seizures after that. We had a laughing session. We obeyed the Lord, basically, right? At destruction and at famine, you shall laugh. He didn't say just laugh in times of famine, he said laugh at it. And I heard Brother Keith say this too. Keith Moore, a good friend of ours, he said, if you can't laugh at it, it shows you have faith in it. I have no faith in cancer to do anything to me or my family. I was uh, listening. I don't know if it was Fred Price. Somebody was teaching years ago, and they said that UCLA had done some studies, and they found out that laughing and, and reading positive material... Release some, releases something in the human body and soul probably too, that said it's such a strong secretion that comes forth, it's strong enough to heal HIV. Just by gut laughing and reading something positive, they said there's something that happens in the physical body. Well, I don't know how many millions they spent on that, but they could have got a Bible, turned to Proverbs 17:22. <laughs> You know, $50 leather Bible, put their name on it, 50 bucks, and see, a merry heart does good like a medicine. A broken spirit dries the bones. Well, <laughs> praise the Lord. How about, how about Hebrews 11? Because we haven't gone there yet, right? So I'm going to give you another, another translation of this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, The evidence of things not seen. So you see right here, faith and hope, they're they're like linked together like a chain. They they work together. And if you break these words down for time's sake, I'll just tell you how I wrote it down here. Hebrews 1 could be translated like this. Persuasion is the foundation of things expected. In other words, it started with faith and it moved into expectation. Just like a woman starts with pregnancy, then it moves into I'm expecting You know, if you're expecting, you're showing eventually. (laughs) Right? I mean, if you're expecting, you're showing. It actually kind of goes public at times. Not that we're trying to do it. It's just it does. If you're expecting, you're showing and you're praising him more and more. And, you know, really, I've been learning this walking by faith. If if we're going to walk by faith, we're going to constantly be stirred up about something invisible showing up very soon. You got this twinkle in your eye, this spark, and you're just like in this realm of glory to God. Something good is happening. Why? Because God didn't lie. And because he loves me and he won't let me down. Persuasion is the foundation of things expected. Not expecting to have, expecting to see what we believe we already have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> say this: I expect, I expect things to get better today. See, see, see. One, one thing you want to do to to get an expectation and to develop an expectation is to say some things. Say, I'm an expectant person. I'm I'm expecting huge improvements improvements. in me, me. my loved ones, my my finances. finances. When we we were in debt as a church, and thank the Lord we're not in debt anymore, our church, we got got totally debt-free recently, and every bill paid, land paid for, church building paid, multi-million dollar project paid for. It had been going on for quite a while. It was like our Goliath. And The Lord, the Lord just quickened me. He says, you need to just relax at home and turn off the television and work on your vision. And so I'm sitting there and just in a really relaxed state, just thinking about the building being paid off and and expecting, you know, the, the, the finances to come in. And I'm just sitting there and I got in a tractor beam of something. I like got sucked into the future. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I was meditating, I was seeing it, I was imagining it, I was expecting it, I was believing for it. And, and it's all, all of a sudden, I started feeling the actual joy I did feel months before the building was paid off. It's like I went there and then it happened. My faith got there first and then... And so I'm sitting there, and I'm crying, and I'm weeping. I'm seeing what I'm telling the people on Sunday. I'm showing them the square footage paid for. Look, we got one section paid for $85,000, and they're going, "Nah!" And I said, "That's not all. Look, we got look what oh another section's paid for $85,000." And they're going, "Oh, glory to God!" And I'm like, I'm like in the service, like John was. You know, he was at the throne room, and we were all there, but we're not there yet. You know, did I lose somebody? oh gosh, I'd like to take a side journey. <laughs> did you know that there's no, really no such thing as time with the Lord? One day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Sometimes we don't quote the second half of that. Did, did you know that if the Lord right now showed us him creating Adam and Eve it would not be a rerun? There's a, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says that which is to be has already been. That'll actually help your faith to realize your healing's already there. And You can get some things before you go to heaven if you know how to tap in them because they're already done. The Lord told me one time, he said, um, it was concerning doubt, he said, how can you doubt something's going to happen that's already happened? It may not have manifested in this earth realm yet, but in the large scope of things, it's already happened. cool little side journey, huh? Where was I? Somebody tell me, where was I? Huh? 85000 Thank you. Yes. Okay. So, we're, so I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in the bathtub, just relaxing and crying. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like in the bathtub, but seeing that service where I'm announcing this. And I go, and another square, another whole section's paper is like, um, $85 a square foot and like a 1,000 th- uh, squares in each section, 28 sections, 2,830,000 or whatever. And I'm going, oh, look at at and I hear the whole crowd just, and I'm crying in the bathroom, I'm just weeping, oh, glory to God. And a few months after that, the building was totally paid off. Every debt in the church was paid off. Reserve in the bank. A personal home got paid off, new one. And I'm going like this, and, and I'm feeling, and I'm, and I'm actually doing it now, real time. And I'm going, I felt just as stirred up months ago, if not more, than I'm feeling right now. Interesting how that works. And I know that's not the only reason that this happened in our church. Many people are believing and, and trusting the Lord, but the Lord made it clear as the pastor of the church, that's one of the things he led me to do, to see that miracle you have to get really, really thrilled with what God said when it looks like it's not even happening or true. It's like you just have to say, say, God, I believe you. And it might take a while to get into that zone, but it's so worth it. So, so worth it. Um, Let's do this. One more scripture. Go with me to Acts chapter 16. And this is a very fun scripture. Acts 16. I'm sure most of you know where I'm headed. Acts 16 and verse... 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas, they're in jail. If you know the context, they're in jail. Their backs are bleeding. They're like in the sewer part of the prison and for preaching the gospel. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So what are they doing? Their backs are bleeding. Infection can set in any time now. They're, they're most probably headed for execution or something like that. And so what are they doing? They're about to do what they totally don't feel like doing. I think we need to get used to doing a lot of things we don't feel like doing. Our faith and our knowledge needs to be stronger than what what we feel. So at midnight, they prayed and they sang praises, and and suddenly there was a great, and the prisoners heard them, and there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed, and they were set free. And as I was looking at this, I was thinking, "Look at because look we all know that praise and expectation should go hand in hand. If, if we're really expecting, we're praising more and more, like the David said in Psalms. But it's so interesting because I read this. I feel like the Lord said, look at this, because the word praise in this verse here saying praises is the word celebration. And I got the revelation, celebration leads to victory. No, Pastor, victory leads to celebration. Uh-uh. Celebration leads to victory. No, pastor. Victory leads to celebration. No. Celebration leads to victory. Church, do you see this? And here's the good news. You can celebrate anytime you want. You are not a tree. You can say whatever you want to say. You can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. And if if we'll just turn up the knob of joy in our life because of what we believe I personally believe things are going to start to get shaped up supernaturally quicker than maybe they would have been. Simply because we decided to be a little more glad and a little more expectant about the things the Lord said and the things we've already prayed about. I know it'll turn around. Paul said, I know. Not just because you prayed. Not just because your pastor prayed. Not just because the whole world prayed. And not just because the power of the Spirit of God is everywhere. But because I'm expecting your prayers to work. Glory to God. It's happening. That's a good word. It's happening. It's our new amen back home in Grand Junction. (laughs) We make our confession, we pray our prayer, and we go, it's happening. And sometimes we go, whoo. (laughs) Well, they're, they're celebrating. They celebrated like they were not in prison. Next verse, they were not in prison. They celebrated, they praised God like they weren't in jail. But they were in jail. But they celebrated like they weren't in jail. And in the next couple verses, they weren't in jail anymore. Supernatural earthquake happened and all their bands were loose and all the gate doors flew open. And they walked out. The biggest mistake the devil made that day. He said, oh, let's get them. Let's, let's put them in chains. Let's put shackles on their feet. Let's put them in the innermost prison. But the biggest mistake the devil made is he didn't tape their mouths shut. <laughs> Because they may have been shackled, they may have been bound, they may have been in the sewer part of the prison, but they could go, Glory to God, thank you, Lord, hallelujah, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. The prisoners are going, What are these freaky people doing over there? They're going to die. But you know what? Even the unbelievers all around them got set free because they did this in the midst of their midnight hour. Oh, glory to God! This is wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just want to stand up for a second and kind of exercise our expectation a little bit? Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Let's lift up our hands. Father, we thank you that your word is true.